Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, my editor and good friend, Rex. How are you doing today? Hello, I am doing pretty good. Tired, <laughs> but pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you were up till like four in the morning last night. <laughs> yeah. And I told That's you bad. to go to bed. Sleep is for the week. I'm sure you know that very well. I have no comments. Totally not like the uh, Gojira episode was at 5 in the morning after staying up <laughs> all night. Good times, yeah. good times. But in this case, I was watching Zack Snyder's just asleep. That's why I was up for so long. Was it any good? Yeah, it was alright. I enjoyed it. I, I don't know if I'll have four hours to... To uh, do whatever I want with, um, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, I I really want to see it. I I I'm ex- I, I hope it's good. Yeah, I just it, I it got is. I got one problem. Hmm. It's in a four point three aspect ratio. Oh, <laughs> I I I can't. No, it's stupid. It's so pretentious. It's like, what are you trying to be? <laughs> An old movie? Like, God, 4.3 aspect ratio. Uh, that, that, that one... Most streaming services, I know mine did this, where they had um, an actual disclaimer before the movie about the aspect ratio. Why? That is hilarious yeah. to me. That is absolutely hilarious to me. Literally... It's like... People have never seen a, a movie in four by three. Yeah, anymore. and it's just it's weird because like there are so many movies in four point three. Like yeah. literally, had a gener- generation of people, multiple generations of people who grew up on box TVs. I did. I'm used to the four point three aspect ratio. Yeah, yeah. And I it's mean, weird for a All modern sudden, movie. For a modern movie, sure, it's a little different, but. It's not a detriment to the film in any way. It's not even in. It's not even slightly a problem. <laughs> yeah, and didn't uh, the lighthouse with uh, yeah William Defoe wasn't that in four point three? I believe so. And in I black and so, white. Yes. Yeah, we're going to start criticizing black and white movies now. No, because people didn't see the lighthouse. That's true, but didn't it win an <laughs> Oscar? Yeah, but that doesn't mean it'll get mainstream attention. That's true. I still need to watch it. I've heard it's uh, actually here. pretty pretty good. Same here. <laughs> but yeah, I digress. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Justice League today. That's all we're going to be talking about. <laughs> yes, on this um, episode of Kaiju Conversation, we're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes, it's going to be five hours, and we're going to present this in 16-bit audio. So you can yeah. hear it, um, and we can be pretentious. So yes. Yes. I hope everybody enjoys this next few minutes, uh, or hours, because, you know, we're doing five hours of this. Yes, a few yes. minutes. Mm-hmm. It's going to feel like <laughs> a few minutes, because, you know, with our 16-bit uh, Oh, audio, I assure you, when, when it gets to editing, it's not going to feel like a few minutes. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so anyway, uh, we're talking about Aquaman. 
you know that had a kaiju oh, in yeah. it, so that's that's what we're actually talking yes. about today. Aquaman yes. and its politics. It's it's politics about capitalism, um, and it's and commercialism. It, it's a very deep film. Uh, yes, it, it deserves literally, a million literally. dollars. It, it is literally oh, quite deep. No. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. You walked into that pun. You mean I drowned in that? God damn it. <laughs> okay, I swam into that one too. Oh, come on. <laughs> Stop being a clown. No, Batman. Oh, no. Okay, so before we get too sidetracked... Um... <laughs> yeah, so what's new with you outside of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League? Any tokusatsu? I've placed a few orders for uh, some Media Blasters release of uh, some Toho films, uh, Varan, Dogra, and Frankenstein vs. Baragon. Mm -hmm. Even though I've seen Varan before, um, I'm excited to actually own it on physical media, and did you... I look forward to seeing Frankenstein vs. Baragon. Did you, by any chance, order the Real Vault or Synergy Entertainment DVD for the English version? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, because that's uh, I. From what I've gathered, Varen's English version is public domain, much like Gamera the Invincible, and yeah. so those are the only two ways to get it official, quote unquote, officially on DVD. Um, <laughs> now, if you ask me, get the real vault version. It looks better, and there's no watermark in the bottom right hand corner. Uh, a watermark um, on a DVD. <laughs> Synergy Entertainment is very proud of its movies. It also released yes. Revenge of Dr. X, a co-production with Toei. So, mm. fun little factoid there. Yes, they're very proud of the movies that they definitely produced. Yes, very much so. <laughs> I feel like we sound den side saying that. <laughs> um, but what else? Any Anything else? You can't go wrong with Media Blasters, especially the yeah. Toho stuff. Yeah, I, I like with the Varan one. I got that mainly because I I want to I want to see that uh the sort of recreation of the TV card with even with all those like missing scene cards, just mm -hmm. out of the curiosity of mm -hmm. what Varan could have been like. Mm -hmm. Which so. Yeah. so no, we'll actually, I'll get into that here in a little bit later on, because it actually relates mm -hmm. to our main topic of today's episode that I learned today. Um, Interesting. But uh, anything else? Uh, media blasters outside of that? Uh, I do have Godzilla uh, Art of Destruction book uh, that should be coming tomorrow. Oh, it nice. could have came today, but it didn't. <laughs> and, but um, it, it was expected for tomorrow anyways, so not a big deal. It's yeah, a cool so, book. Yeah. I, I'm mainly getting it uh, because I've seen it sort of... The price was fluctuating a bit, so might as well just get it for a decent price before it fluctuates uh, to something not so nice. <laughs> right, like the King of the Monsters one, which has gone up yeah. recently. I regret not buying that one. Uh, uh, oh, it's nearly two years ago. God. 
It's been, oh yeah, it's been two years. Well, I, I actually got the uh, Kong Skull Island art book today. Uh, yeah. On Amazon. That was no, actually I, really cool. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to get that one soon too. And now, of course, the other upcoming art book. Which I actually, I, I really want to, for once I want to talk about that movie. So we'll, towards the end of this episode, we're actually going to address that film. Well, yeah, um, it's kind of relevant. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I will say, I the 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 introduction that Jordan Vogue Roberts wrote for Skull Island does reference 1933. However, I still stand by my argument that Kong Skull Island and Godzilla vs. Kong are not legally King Kong movies. <laughs> And there's actually evidence to support that, I will add. Tons of it. <laughs> um, but that's that's a rant and potential article in Kaiju Ramen for another day. <laughs> so, uh, anything else, Rex, or do you want me to go ahead and share some of the stuff that I acquired recently? Yeah, I think you should go on because uh, I, I honestly haven't done as much as I uh, or bought as much as I wish I could have. Yeah. Um. So I should. I guess I'll go ahead and get this out of the way now. I purchased um, some movies off of Amazon, and I went uh, off of my master list of tokusatsu films that. I acquired through a good friend, or not good friend, but a good, intelligent person um, that I'd like to talk to in the future about Tokusatsu. Mm. And so I ordered Numari, New Book, uh, Book of Spawn, a uh, late 2000s uh, film distributed by Switchblade Pictures here in the United States. Yeah. Um, I ordered a few other films. I I'm trying to think here. What what else did I purchase? There was one more. What was I? I there's one I'm going to get to, but I I want to mention that one last because of what it is. I I should really pay attention moving forward what I purchase on Amazon. Let me just check my uh, trusty old orders. Oh, and I got Assault Girls on Blu-ray. Um, I did have the DVD, but I realized there's a Blu-ray, so I purchased that too, just so I can have the best quality picture. Um. Oh. Uh, speaking of the devil, uh, guess what? Literally just arrived right now. Oh, really? Yes. So, ah. uh, so I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. So we're going to be waiting on Rex while he go gets his, um book so while he's gone i'll go ahead and tell everybody i accidentally bought two softcore pornos uh they're japanese and they are tokusatsu it's called cat girls and dimensional traveler odyssey trita i didn't realize what i purchased until i read the description and they were at my house so I don't know what to do. I'm just going to embrace the fact that I bought two pornos. Um, and maybe I'll cover them on a future episode of the podcast. 
or send them to a good friend of mine, Nathan Marchand, uh, who's currently on Agasawar Island uh, at the Monster Island Film Vault. Uh, his birthday's coming up, so I might send that to him. He always gets a real kick out of stuff like that. Right, Nathan? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay, sorry about that. I'm back. That oh. was hilarious timing. So, Rex just got the Godzilla Art of Destruction book. Yes, I did. <laughs> Live on air too. See, it just it works out perfectly. Just what what was that timing? Just right after bringing it up, it shows up. The power of Godzilla compels the uh, coastal surfaces. Yes, <laughs> I, I I I I just I, I'm almost in shock just because of that that. Uh, <laughs> oh my god wow that goddamn timing I'm genuinely in shock by that mm -hmm. I, I will say out of all the art books the one I enjoyed the most was probably Kong Skull Island really? Mm -hmm. I it's art I think is the most true to because 2014's is more just like hey, here's the steps we took to making the movie. Here's just, like, concept art of scrap designs. Yeah. Um, and no concept art of the final product. Or there is, but it's not as, not a, it's not as extensive. And King of the mm. Monsters is very flamboyant, very artistic, very over-the-top. Um, which, mm. it looks like cool. Movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it comes across as a little sloppy, all things considered. But the Skull Island mm. one, looks really cool and it seemed mm. like roberts really liked to, to he really wanted to write a forward for the film um <laughs> gareth kind of just was like oh here's a little bit gareth uh doherty was like oh hey my name is michael doherty everything i've said told you on twitter i'm repeating here and then <laughs> roberts was like i have a whole lot to say here it is enjoy all this i love king kong all this stuff oh my god i love thomas Toll, the legendary i was so good it's just like that. Yeah. That, that's interesting. I definitely look forward to getting the uh, Skull Island one whenever I get the... Whenever I do have the money for it. Probably soon. I'll get it soon. Yeah. But going back... Um, so I, I did get Kong Skull Island's art book. Um, I also watched Kong Skull Island again today. That movie... The final, so the final fight with the skull crawlers. I forgot how well like choreographed that was. It's that final mm. fight's actually really good. There's some awesome camera shots in there. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen uh, Skull Island. I'll have to, I'll have to rewatch it in like a couple days because I'm seeing GBK in about four days from now. So <laughs> yeah, and uh, honestly, I I. After this rewatch, it depends on how I feel about King of the Monsters next week. Mm -hmm. King of the Monsters might have just lost its number one spot on my uh, <laughs> MonsterVerse. Yeah. I, I, I forgot how good Skull Island was. Like, its mm. camera work is really good. I love the... The cinematography is just beautiful in that film. Mm. I love the colors. The color grading in that film was phenomenal. Yeah, 
it, it had good color grading. <laughs> <laughs> More so than all the Godzilla ones, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I really liked it. Um very happy. Yeah, I, I I have an interesting thing with Skull Island where it's like I saw it in theaters, absolutely mm. loved it. Saw it on home media, didn't care for it for some reason. Like it just bored me. But then when I watched it again some months later, I was like, oh my god, I love this again. Mm-hmm. I, I need to see it once more to uh, have a full opinion, though, I'd say. Yeah. But I will say, I noticed where, upon watching Kong Skull Island, and I watched uh, 2014, uh, yes. Brightened a few, a few <laughs> weeks ago, um, yeah, I, I I watched 2014. I didn't watch a black screen. I promise, guys. <laughs> um, Unlike I, the last time I watched 2014, I, I was both of them. I was surprised. 2014 did not feel like a your typical Hollywood movie. Yeah, um, it, it was it was a little weird. It just it felt right for once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Though I will say, after uh, Brian Cranston dies, it's kind of ruined. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't think it's a case of it. Um, I think it's more of a case of 2014 doesn't feel like a blockbuster. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't feel like a blockbuster. That's 100% what it is. It, it feels. Yeah. It definitely feels like Gareth didn't know what he was doing, but that was a good thing. Yeah. It, it was good that he didn't know how to do a blockbuster because it came out really well done. Yeah. Um, even though the characters are very boring, and honestly, I couldn't tell you anything special about Ford. He's like but... that side character in any movie with the military that dies like three-fourths of the way through the film or is supposed to feel <laughs> bad, but yeah. we don't know a thing about him. Yeah, he's like that's... every other character in Kong Skull Island outside of John Goodman, Brooks, uh, Samuel Jackson, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, and John C. Riley, and the young kid and the other two military guys. He's Ford's basically all the other people that died throughout the movie that were just like, oh, okay. Well, it's like that guy who sacrifices himself to this uh, skull crawler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or, or no, the guy who gets eaten, but with even yeah. less depth. Yeah. <laughs> At least with the guy that got killed by the skull crawler after trying to kill the skull crawler, we had enough time to feel little bad for his teammates for losing him. The other yeah. guy is just like, oh, he's gone now. Dear Billy, yeah. your dad's dead. Um, he lived a fine life. Um, go run off into the playground, have fun. Yeah, we'll never tell you how he died. Yeah, it's just (laughs) military secrets. It was stupid. Yeah, which that's also, I I will say, that's one issue with Skull Island. What happened to the military guys in Marlow? Because, uh, Comrade and um, Weaver were. Not well, to be fair, they do show what happens to Marlo. Yeah, but what happened before he could get there? Because they mm. they they obviously would have been like, you can't say a single thing because he's been on yeah. the for thirty years. He he probably knows a lot. Oh yeah. 
But and I will say that end where they show him that's unexpected because he's not your main character. You know, yeah. I think they wouldn't do that. But that was a great way to end the main film. Oh yeah. It it's just a perfect resolution to it to his character, and it kinda makes you wonder why isn't he the protagonist at some points. Sure. Yeah, so guys, this is a Kong Skull Island episode now. Um, <laughs> uh, no, 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 it's a Monsterverse episode. This podcast is turning entirely to the Monsterverse. I also bought the Blu-ray Invisible Man Appears in Invisible Man vs. the Human Fly. From nice. Arrow. It was really cool. They're the only... The, they're the oldest tokusatsu that's still intact in its complete form. You, you said earlier we sounded like we're dead inside, but now you really do sound like you're dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just reconsidering my life decisions and what happened to this podcast and why it turned into a Monsterverse podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, what can I say except you're, you're welcome. welcome. And Disney has now copyrighted this episode of Kaiju Conversation. No, 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 no. They bought the whole podcast. You know, on Twitter, and you can probably find this on the podcast Twitter feed, um, yeah. there was a question. Fill in the blank. Disney bought. And then it said, uh, let your keyboard decide what goes next. And mine was Disney bought the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess Disney did buy our podcast. I mean, hey, for you, free money. Maybe I can just be employed by Disney and still talk about kaiju. I don't know where we're going anymore. Yeah, we should probably get on to the main subject, really. Yeah, I'll just briefly go over the last things. Um, I watched the Mystery Science Theater episode of Gamera the Giant Monster. I watched right. Solar Crisis. And I rewatched a 1962 film called... Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. Never heard of it. I, I don't know what it is. What's it about? Um, so it's about this. So I there's a Japanese version, it's all subtitled. And what it's about, it's about this guy who's named Taco, like Taco Bell. Um, and he gets his people to go to this island full of half-naked people who sing to lightning. They're like, you know, they, they sing and they dance to lightning. And then a giant octopus with multiple tentacles comes out of nowhere. And, and then all of a sudden the lightning... And, and then... Rah! And then out from his cave, Kong's voice did ring. Seemed he's troubled by just one thing. He tore down his barrier, shook his fist, and said, Octopus, I'm going to throw you now. And then the octopus was rocking. He was digging the destruction. Kong came up and grabbed him and threw him away. The octopus left, and Kong got drunk to say... Well, meanwhile, a giant lizard from the icebergs of the Arctic comes out, and he's like, ah, you know, fire breath and, and roaring, and he goes to Japan, specifically Hokkaido, 
Um, and the the pharmaceutical company, remember that taco guy I was talking about? Yeah. He got the monkey on a wooden raft. Monkey was bringing man. the monkey to Japan. And then they blow him up because they, they have dynamite on the raft. And then the monkey swims to Japan. And then the lizard and monkey fight. It's a really long-winded summary of a movie. <laughs> and then monkey and lizard fall into ocean. And there's an alternate ending where the lizard win and monkey win. Lies. Famous monsters of Filmland moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great magazine. Check it out. Yeah. There's some good articles. There's some good interviews with uh, Nakajima and Satsuma in there. If I'm yeah. Not mistaken. Yeah. But anyway, yes. So today we are discussing King Kong versus Godzilla. And there is my really horrible yes. uh, summary of summary. Film. Yes. <laughs> so. To get things started here, I guess we can talk about our history with the film. Uh, no. That's just something I like doing, as always, is just so you can kind of get where we fell in love with this film. So, no. Rex, if you want to go ahead and go, we can talk about your history with this grand movie. All right. So, uh, I guess... I'll start with, uh, when I first got into Godzilla, I sort of started with a mix of, a mix of the eras. My, f my first four Godzilla films were uh, Godzilla Final Wars versus Gigan, uh, Ibera Horror for Deep, and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. So one of each era. This was like right before 2014 came out. Uh, and then... And then as time went on, I saw pretty much all the Millennium films, most of the Heisei films, and that was about it. And Gagan and Ibra were about it for all I had uh, with Showa until some years down the line where I got King Kong vs. Godzilla, the Universal Cut on Blu-ray. And I watched it, and honestly... I really, really enjoyed it. I had a great time watching the film. <laughs> I see. Yeah, it, yeah, it's cheesy and all. It was just so fun. <laughs> yeah, even with, uh, even with all the American scenes inserted where they remove most of the comedy and slow down the pace, it was still, still a very, very enjoyable movie. And while I haven't rewatched the uh, John Beck cut since it's one that I don't harbor. I don't really harbor negative feelings toward. Yeah, and I should. <laughs> I should probably establish this now before we go any deeper. We are yeah. not going to be discussing the U.S. version. We are going to be discussing the Japanese version because we're trying to stay true and review and discuss the originals of these. Prior yeah. to the big, uh, big movie coming out at the end of the month. Um, so we won't be discussing the bastardization that the uh, <laughs> John Beck cut is. Listen, you cannot tell me that that cut is not garbage. It is absolute garbage. I will acknowledge it is the, it is in almost every way the inferior version of the film. But it I is can't... absolutely the inferior version of the film. There's nothing good about it. 
but I honestly can't help but really enjoy it. I think you're wrong. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, after that point, it wasn't until Criterion released a certain set with all the show of Godzilla films where I finally saw the Japanese version of King Kong vs. Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, that transfer was interesting. <laughs> yeah, so this is where I am going to get into a little bit of a... Oh, here's a fun fact for you. So today I tweeted out, oh my yeah. god, the Criterion transfer is utter garbage. Literally, like, they didn't even try to blend the two different uh, transfers of the film together. It's a sharp cut. There's there's some yeah. frames missing out, and it's very clear. One is yeah. blurry, one is not. One is very... It's It's got a higher saturation. One's more mute. The entire mm. final fight, it looks like I'm watching King of the Monsters. It's, like, all yellow. Yeah, it's it's yellow and brown for the majority of the movie. And then and then the night scenes have the uh, Godzilla 2014 problem of being too dark. Yeah, and I will say, and I'll, I guess I'll give the Universal Cut this, the transfer's good. Yeah. Because, like, I was watching him like, oh my god, this isn't even the movie I remember. It's so... <laughs> Colors are so horrible. Yeah. Uh, but I found yes. out. So, and this is a little off topic, but it's it'll relate to the Criterion thing. So yeah. I found out that we all know Criterion was given transfers. They weren't allowed to yeah. transfer themselves. It was their transfer. Yeah. Well, Media Blasters actually did the transfers themselves, apparently, for their their two Godzilla movies, they were sent film, and they were allowed to do their own transfer. Hmm. Which is why it looks better than the Criterion hmm. one, because they were transfers at that time, not hmm. 2009 cheap Blu-ray transfers. Score <laughs> one for Media Blasters, Criterion Zippo. <laughs> Or two, if you count packaging. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I just I found that interesting, and I figured I'd I'd bring that up when we talked about the Criterion uh, reviews of this. Yeah, film. it was and basically also, inevitable. Yeah. Also, just for anybody listening, if you want to watch this Japanese version, I recommend to go, or I don't recommend it, but it's the only way you can do this. So go out and buy the Godzilla, the Showa era 1954-1975 Blu-ray box set from Criterion. On disc number 8, they have the Japanese release version of King Kong vs. Godzilla. It's the, li it's the literal only good thing about the box set that's actually really good. Yeah. And even then, they somehow screwed it up. Yeah. <sighs> Shame we couldn't have gotten that. That beautiful 4K transfer. Mm -hmm. But Rex, please change. continue your history with the film now that we got the transfer ramble. Uh, but yeah. uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla for me was the film that made me realize 
I really like the style of the Showa era Godzilla, especially the 60s. And just in general, um, kaiju films from the 60s. Uh, though I do still really like 70s kaiju films and kaiju, and even like 70s Ultraman. Uh, it's something that the 60s just, something about it just clicks more with me. I, I don't know what it is. It's just, maybe it's because, maybe it's because of A.G. Suburaya, but I don't know, something about 60s Godzilla and 60s Ultraman, Ultra 7, something about that just clicks more with me than uh, well, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even 2000s. Well, remember that Superaya only worked on uh, King Kong versus Mothra versus Ghidorah and Astro Monster. Yeah, I know. Ari, Sadamasa Arikawa did uh, Son of Godzilla and uh, and Ebra. Monsters. And Ebra. Uh, yeah, yeah, true, I believe. I believe you're right there. Because yeah. when, when he funded, when he founded and started really putting all his effort to Ultra Q and Ultra Man, which was in uh, late 65, early 66, he basically was like, Toho, you do your own thing. You got a well, bunch of people that. To, to be fair, he, he, did, he, was, uh, he was on set for Son of Godzilla fairly often. Like, he's yes. the reason that Miller has the smoke rings. Yeah. He's the one who suggested that idea. As, essentially, he became an executive producer who would come on set, give suggestions, and go. <laughs> right. Uh, God damn it! What was I, I just said? <laughs> God damn it! Okay, forget what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> so, anything else to add to your history? Not really. Uh, after, yeah, I was. I really liked the Japanese cut, but was. But the Criterion transfer did really harm my first viewing. I get that sure. it's not technically their fault, but still. Still bad. Yeah. Just because it's not their fault doesn't mean I'm not going to criticize it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess I'll go ahead and get into my history with this film. Um, yep. So, King Kong vs. Godzilla was one of the first Godzilla films I actually watched. Um, first was Terror of Mechagodzilla, second was Godzilla the Three-Headed Monster, third was Mothra vs. Godzilla, fifth, or, uh, first, yeah, fifth, right? Terror, Ghidorah, Mothra, uh, fourth. Fourth film was King Kong vs. Godzilla. I watched it on the 1997, no, uh, 1998, I believe it is, Good Times... 35th anniversary VHS with clamshell case. Um, that is the version I watched initially. Um, yeah. Eventually, I would watch it on the 2005 DVD from Universal. Um, and later on, uh, on, on the 2014 Blu-ray from Universal, and then I saw the Japanese version about... About a year or two ago, whenever the Criterion, so 2019, two years ago, yeah, um, I saw it then, but to be honest, yeah. I slept through the first showing because it was at like three in the morning, um, <laughs> and the second showing, I wasn't, my attention span was bare minimum, 
So when I yeah. watched it for this, it was almost like I was seeing it for the first time again. Hmm. Um, so this was only my third time viewing this and my only time doing it fully hmm. um, as a Godzilla movie. It's still very hmm. alien to me, so watching it was very interesting. Um, and I'll get into my thoughts later on uh, whenever we get into that section. So I hmm. overall, it's just King Kong versus Godzilla was one of the films that I grew up on. Um, yeah. And it's partially what made me a Godzilla fan. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of my history with it. <clears throat> so I guess now we'll go ahead and get into the production of this film. Sure. Um, <laughs> just kind of discuss how it was made. Um, yeah. Briefly touch on the U.S. version. Um, yeah. We're not really going to get into it. Um, yeah. We'll just talk about mainly Willis O'Brien and then it and came Beck. over. Yeah, <laughs> and good old good old Beck always here to rip off some old guy <laughs> who's been screwed over by Hollywood. Yep. Oh wait, that's just that's just a normal day in Hollywood. Yeah, that's true. Um and then of <laughs> course we'll uh we'll discuss the uh just some of the fun facts and whatnot. I yeah, personally there are a couple interesting uh, ones. Mm -hmm. So I guess to get things started, we should really discuss how the film came to be. Yes. So you've seen King Kong, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I ha it's been years since I've seen it, but I have seen it, yes. Okay. So we all know they made a sequel. Yes, yeah, Ryan Kong. was very upset with that sequel. He didn't want to do that. He was forced to do it. Mm. Um, and that was this big break after Lost World. Um, and creation mm. yeah. got cancelled. So here he was with four projects, three of which got realized, uh, one of which was there another project that also got uh cancelled? I, I don't remember. On. That was later uh, on. Um I believe it was in the 40s whenever he was making Beast of Hollow Mountain. Um, it was under a different title at that time, but it got mm. canned. Um, yeah, wasn't another... that Paramount? Yes, uh, yes. It yeah. was Paramount. Um, and then he also was working on another RKO film in the late 30s, which got uh, canceled. Uh, mm. Essentially, what happened was Wilson O'Brien was most of his projects never... And yeah, never got completed and really he didn't even start getting recognized until 1949 with uh mighty joe young but even yeah. then he just supervised it and uh Ray yeah. Ryhausen did it but he did yeah. win an academy award for that so hmm. at least he got that um and at least then he got he something did, yeah and then in 56 he did irwin allen's uh the animal world, but most of that was done by Ray Harryhausen. Um, and then he worked with Irwin Allen, Allen again on The Lost World of the 1960 remake. But <laughs> um, he kind of forced O'Brien not to use his stop motion, which really angered him. And to instead abuse animals. Yes. Throughout all of this, O'Brien was really getting screwed over. He was getting the short end yeah. of the stick and Really, he couldn't do a whole lot. No. So O'Brien was like, you know what? 
I'm going to show this world who's boss. Hmm. And so he wrote a story outline for a movie, King Kong versus the Ginkgo. It was a sequel to his film that he helped make in 1933. Hmm. It went through rewrites, of course, God, or King Kong versus Prometheus, King Kong versus Frankenstein. It, it went through a few story changes. Yeah, and I believe they were done by uh, the author of it, or the writer of them, as well as some other... No. Um, really? Not yet. Not yet. No, so oh, O'Brien oh. made it. Oh. And then Beck, yeah. he, he went to Beck and he was like, hey, I got this I got this story. I, I want to mm. get it made. Beck mm. paid him money and said, buzz off, old man. Beck then <laughs> went to the guy who wrote them and had him rewrite it. Yeah. Um, and then he couldn't get a company to do it, so he mm. went to Toho. Mm. And then Toho... And all over the, the international market, to my understanding. Um, to to my understanding, Italy. I don't believe he did. If I remember right, he only did American companies, and then mm. he was tipped to go to Toho because they might have been interested. And then he went to Toho, and um, Toho's like, sure. So they bought it from him. He agreed to be the producer on the U.S. version, and they went out, paid the money to get King Kong, and started producing the film after they hired Shinichi Sekisawa to rewrite the film to include yeah. the giant green lizard of madness, Godzilla, <laughs> King of the King Monsters. Of the <laughs> yeah. I, I'd actually heard or read that um, apparently uh, he looked at some French, uh, not French, Italian companies, but it didn't um, list, it didn't specifically name any. But hmm, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. It, it was in, a, it was in a, I believe it was Rifle's book, I think. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. And actually, so here's a fun fact. People who worked with RKO were the ones that told him to go to Toho. So RKO is kind of like, yeah. Go. And it's because RKO worked with Toho for the Mysterians a few oh. years prior. I didn't um, actually know that the they were involved in Mysterians. So Toho produced Mysterians, and then when they yeah. were shopping it around for the international market, RKO picked it up, re-edited the ah. film, and dubbed it. Um, okay. So that's how they got involved, but they were involved nonetheless. Um, but because yeah. of that, they were like, go to Toho. Toho might be interested. Plus, we can get <laughs> money. We don't have to spend <laughs> money. Yeah. So... <laughs> and Toho, like I said, they approved it, started working on it. Um, mm. and it, from what I've heard, it was a very large budget. Like they went all out to make it because mm. um, it was Toho's 30th anniversary film. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was like uh, uh, some Toho big was... go go big go broke was something I heard in relation yeah. to the budget of King Kong vs Godzilla. Yeah, that was from Khaled's book where Tanaka was yeah. like, we're going to spend as much money as we can and we're going to make the biggest movie we've ever done. <laughs> and uh, it worked out. Uh, yeah, oh, definitely. Later, 
we'll talk about that later, but uh, it worked yeah. out for him. Very much so. And so they they started working on the film. Tanaka was very, very excited to do King Kong. Super Aya was thrilled, um, though he yeah. was disappointed they couldn't do stop motion. Mm. Um, At least they got a little bit. That's true. Um, unfortunately, Tanaka's Go Big or Go Broke kind of fell through due to mm. scheduling conflicts and uh, the cost of King Kong. Uh, they had to cut um, some some corners. Um, yeah. They didn't go on... They were actually planning to go on location. Yeah, to Sri Lanka, I believe, mm-hmm. is where they um, wanted to. But apparently that was... That plan was axed uh, either because of or partially because of um, how much King Kong costed. Well, the they weren't, yeah, they weren't expecting King Kong to be as much as he was. That was like a yeah. quarter of the budget, if I remember right. Hmm. Um, but because Ooh. of that, they had to um, they had to cut budgets on location shooting, um, yeah. suits and sets got. Uh, budgets cut because of mm. that which is why King Kong doesn't look good um, mm. the King Kong suits really were they uh, had to yeah. lessen their budget <laughs> um, and you know and a lot of people do say that King Kong suit looks awful um, yeah so I, especially I think King Kong fans yeah um, a, lot of, a lot of King Kong fans disown the Toho films. Yeah. Um, so they're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I, and I think that's where the budget cut took the biggest hit was the Kong suit because I feel yeah. like that was. I know Super Raya wasn't too thrilled with the final product. Yeah, I mean, I believe there were they had about. Uh, they had like two or three designs that got that weren't approved, and then before Subaru approved the one that got turned into the suit, mm-hmm. like one of them was apparently apparently looked too cutesy or mm-hmm. cuddly, from what I hear. Mm-hmm. So, not to not to mention Tezuka's failure at listening to Subaru. Because uh, Tezuka, the guy who played King Kong, uh, he was told to go study gorillas at a zoo. Hirose. Not Tezuka. No. Shoichi Hirose. You're thinking of Masaki Tezuka, who saw the Oh, film. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you got that confused there. Well, no, Tezuka played Godzilla uh, partially. Oh, Katsu- oh, Katsumi. Oh, I thought you were talking about Masaki Tezuka. No. <laughs> See, you got mixed up. Apparently, Kasumi Tezuka is only seen in uh, this film as the iceberg scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Hiroshi was told, hey, go uh, go study gorillas. You know, yeah. study how they move. Because Tsuburaya told Honda, uh, not Honda, Nakajima the same thing. He was yeah. like, go study at the zoo. And Nakajima listened. Nakajima was very honest and very hmm. respectful to Tsuburaya. Well, Hiroshi was like, no, I don't need to do that. I, I know what I'm doing. Um, and it kind of showed. 
Kong does not move like a gorilla. Yeah. And there's just... It's hard to put into words, but there's just less energy, less character to the Kong performance. It's, mm-hmm. There's some there, but it, it feels... The performance feels almost lifeless in certain scenes. It does, it does. Um, I think Nakajima's performance... Because it was Nakajima who played him in seven, uh, 67, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Nakajima's performance looks better. Better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though the suit's worse. Yeah. <laughs> Nakajima yeah. was apparently also uh, disappointed in... Hirose's performance as well, alongside Superaya. And now, granted, Superaya did end up, I think it was after, it was after uh, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, I believe, where uh, Superaya realized that uh, Hirose wasn't doing what he was supposed Mm -hmm. to, and he fired him. Mm -hmm. Um, It was either that or it was worth the Gargantuas. I don't remember. Something like that. It, it was it was definitely around sixty four to sixty six ish. Yeah, um, probably sixty five. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he fired him because he was lying. Because he told Superaya, "Yeah, I went to the zoo. I I, I did what you told me to." Um, mm-hmm. Which, when he found out that was a lie, he was gone. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Nakajima wasn't too fond of him, and Superaya mm-hmm. most certainly wasn't. To be fair to Hirose, when it came to when it came to the climax of King Kong vs. Godzilla, like with the battle scenes, no there was they didn't really know what to do for the choreography, not even Superaya, so Nakajima and and Hirose had to more or less came up with the composition uh, comp- well, choreography. Well, that was kind of normal uh, towards the end of the sixties. Yeah. Um, according yeah. to Nakajima, they they choreographed the entire fight sequence for Destroyer Monsters themselves. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't, and there wasn't really a lot of detail to the fights until I believe Gaigan mm-hmm. script. Mm-hmm. It was really left up just to the special effects director and the suit actors to decide. Yeah. Um, which I yeah. think it, it's it's remarkable how well they did, and I, I really yeah. wanted whenever we get to kind of the the background um, and the meanings of this film, I really want to mm. go back on the fight choreography and really discuss it because it it adds something to um, the overall mm. message of the film. Mm. Um, and I think before because I think we've kind of pretty well discussed all the. The special effects and kind of the production here. Unless you you had anything else you want to mention, uh, I've got one last thing. Uh, that, that that was more that was more or less the main points I wanted to bring up. There's one last one that we need to because yeah. it's just uh, people are going to be left uh, hungry if they don't hear this. Uh, okay, I think I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> um, it's just you know. Um, it, it really just sucks you right into it when you hear it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you can't talk people, about the film without bringing that up. Some people <laughs> ink themselves when they when they hear about this. This slimy, we had enough bad, we uh, had enough uh, slimy, 
yeah, slimy, uh, <laughs> slimy fact. Um, but yeah, so the octopus Odaku. This was his yeah. first appearance in to- in the Toho films, but not his mm. last. Um, while he was brought to life with a puppet and uh, stop motion, they also mm. used three octopus thighs. Octopies. Octopi. In the film. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, they could not put at the end of this film. No animals were harmed during mm-hmm. the production of this film because one of these octopies met the fate of being on Super Raya's plate that evening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah. Also, we should address the fact that they used a new technique this time for some of the oh, shots. No. Um, projection with uh, projecting footage on the screen and then throwing, uh, putting stuff in front of it. Not a flawless uh, technique, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Um, it, my, I mainly think of it whenever they're throwing the uh, torches at the octopus and you can see the shadow. Mm-hmm. Awesome yeah. hitting. So yeah. not not a not the compositing effect. is uh probably the weakest aspect of the film's effects for me. Yeah. I I would agree with that. The compositing is not though there are there's one shot in particular where mm-hmm. um Godzilla is standing in the middle of the screen and it's yeah. obvious that the uh, set ran off, so they composited some trees in the fr- uh, foreground, and it does look mm. very good. It reminded me of the shot in Ghidorah the Threatened Monster where Godzilla falls in the uh, water, and they superimpose some trees to cover up the end, uh, edge of the set uh, there. I think I noticed that one, actually. I don't think I noticed that. I, I noticed a lot of those. <laughs> mm. um, also, uh. I will say the Criterion sets are known for having some issues with the compositing. Um, <laughs> so it, that's also something to keep in mind. Um, yeah, but sure. I, the, the projection effect, I thought, was lackluster. Uh, yeah. Worst part of the film, I think, when it comes to special effects. Yeah. Um, and then Slimy Kong just looks wrong. And Butt Kong. They just, it looks wrong. Very yeah. wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. That weird head that they use for the close-ups is so strange to look at. It's kind of like the 84 Cybot, but worse mm-hmm. in how it looks. Yeah. And not as big. <laughs> Though they... which Because they actually base the Kong off of... Uh, one of the designs from 33, I'm trying, it was the long, long face one, uh, mm. which was one of, I think it was the larger miniature or stop mm. motion big cat. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's the one thing I would say. But, mm. you know, the sets I think look great. Oh, yeah. Yoda, the pagoda at the end is flawless. Hmm. The entire Mount Fuji fight's well made, I think. Yeah, and also a lot of um, 
a lot of the other scenes too look have really good fairly lively sets too compared to some other uh films especially those from the heisei where cities feel kind of kind of like ghost towns mm-hmm. sure you could pull the evacuation excuse but shouldn't there be more cars around at least <laughs> yeah. um yeah and it's it's also very colorful the, it, if you have a good transfer <laughs> it's, a, it's a colorful film which i think it it's nice to have yeah um so i guess we'll we can talk about the score and then we'll kind of we'll we'll talk about the characters and then we'll we'll really talk about the messages of the film um mm. to me i at least to me the messages and the story of the film is more unique than any other aspect oh yeah definitely i agree with you there um so if it could be best work in the show era agree <laughs> yeah okay i i think that's all we have to say although honorable uh, sacrifice to mothra vs godzilla no you're wrong 54 in terror yeah i'll give you leeway with 54. <laughs> terror's got a very memorable soundtrack i'd need to listen to it again <sighs> but I, I love i love uh this soundtrack oh yeah no, this this is by far probably if my favorite if uh my favorite score from if mm-hmm. like overall the islanders chant is amazing godzilla yeah. appears i love the yeah i love that i love that it's iconic for a reason Mm-hmm. And then it's just it great score, great score. Mm. <laughs> I I think Un- that's unlike about... unlike a certain American reedit. Oh yeah, yeah. Where they, I'm not going to get into that. That'll be another episode. Yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> discussion for hard. another day. It's hard because it's like there's so much we could say. But because mm. we're we're sticking to the Japanese one, we gotta we gotta cut it right as mm. as it get into a yeah. rant about how awful the American edit is. <laughs> um, so I guess what uh, I guess we can get into this now. The human characters, and we'll, this will bleed over into the messages of the story. Yeah. Um, what what did you think of our human protagonist? this time around well the standout is uh quite i'm sure everyone can more or less agree on this is mr taco the yeah the very very eccentric uh pharmaceutical uh was he the he wasn't the boss but head of marketing yeah yeah i think that's what he is he (laughs) he's such a he's just such a fun character and there's there's something about the actor i i know i think it was it was either Keller or rifles book i think that said that mentioned i think it was rifles book that mentioned how miss how mr taco's actor has an aura 
has a strange aura to him that is just very charming, very endearing, and just really, really endearing. <laughs> yeah. And it's it, Ichiro it, Arashima. That's his name. Yeah. It's a very... It's a character that could have easily been played as, like, a generic bad guy, but I think the the silliness of the performance is kind of what makes makes his uh, screen presence more enjoyable, but more impactful, too. Yeah. And he's just, but- uh, he's just a bumbling idiot rather than an actual antagonist. But I, I think it... The reason for why he's such a memorable character plays into the the messages of the story and yeah. the political statement being made. I think that's really what gives him his character. Yeah, he's so stupid because he's trying to. They're trying to make him represent the capitalism, you know, business person market. Yeah, so dumb that they don't even consider what they should have been considering from the start. Yeah, you know, I mean, Mr. Uh, Taco is incredibly short-sighted. All, all he's trying to do is to to just get publicity for his company, and he has no concern for the logistics of his methods. It's just like, oh, there's this uh, god of sorts on Pharaoh Island. My coin says it might, it could be real, so let's go get him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even throughout the film, he's like, let's bet, let's bet. I bet Kong's yeah. gonna win. Um, yeah. whenever, whenever they ask him who he's like, my company represents King Kong, yeah. And, and it's just like, God, what, <laughs> what's the matter? It, I mean, he's told to take Kong back, and they're, he yeah, freaks and he out. Thinks- <laughs> yeah, and and also I gotta point this out in the Japanese version. It says that the company or whoever takes responsibility for Kong will have to pay for anything he does. That yeah. pharmaceutical company's out of business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lawsuits impending. Taku's gonna be seeing some jail time. I mean, Sakurai's probably gonna. Give some uh, can be involved in those lawsuits, given uh, what happened to his sister. That's oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and I, isn't that why he faints? Is like he realizes that he's about to get fined and yeah. thrown into jail, and they completely yeah. forget about it when Kong goes crazy. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure in the the American version they say um, that. They just blankly say, "Oh, we're not, we're not going to let you bring King Kong into Japan." Well, they say that in the Japanese version, they say King Kong. They kind of do, but but with this with the Japanese cut, it more comes off that the responsibility of the company is sort of what makes uh, Mister Taco think. Whereas right. in the American version, it's just, "Oh, he can't bring Kong into Japan." Thanks. Right. Which I think is worse. Because I, yeah, I like... I in, in the Japanese version, they say you're... This is considered smuggling, so criminal charges. Yeah. Uh, you gotta pay for all the damages he's done or yeah. take responsibility for him. He cannot mm. 
step foot or in this case float into Japanese waters. <clears throat> this is all your fault and we're stopping you now. Yeah. And that's why and I think it that gives him more character, you know, it instead of this stupid person that faints after being told, No, Kong can't go into Japanese waters. Um, yeah. They they are like, You're getting criminal charges, you're getting fined, you're in trouble, he can't come to Japan. <laughs> and I, I I just I think that's better. It it gives him more character. Yeah. And it's and it suits better with the film's message too. Mm-hmm. Which I uh, know the American that. one is just called a surface a bit more surface level of can't come to Japan. There's no because that's dumb. Yeah. Whereas at least there's some actual purpose to that scene in the in the Japanese cut, a point to it. Mm-hmm. And I I really like Sakurai and you know the other the other main protagonists. Yeah, Furue. They they're they're banter back and forth felt hmm. better and less just stupid hmm. um, well they are those two actors work together or well, had already worked together a lot uh, on com- uh, comedies <laughs> right and I, I should probably establish why because 54 was very serious Raids yeah. again very serious 33 very serious son of kong serious the reason why King Kong vs. Godzilla was a comedy was because it was Toho's big 30th anniversary film. Yeah. They wanted to make a lot of money. They wanted to just go all the way. And Toho was very successful with their comedy films, such as the Crazy yeah. Cats franchise. And yeah. so King Kong vs. Godzilla was a comedy to attract more people. Mm. It worked. Oh, definitely. <laughs> box office is anything to say about that mm-hmm. but yeah and at the end of the day all the characters in the film are supposed to be comedic yeah <laughs> even even the monsters they're supposed to come off as comedic and funny. To, to the to the dismay of Ishiro honda right <laughs> apparently um apparently some of the Subaraya went so full in that even some of the technicians uh, thought he was going a little too far <laughs> with the humanization of the monsters. I, I, it gives them character. I, I really yeah. like that. Yeah, same here. But that's, know, this, just, that's just something interesting to think about. <laughs> which, uh, no, I, I, I'm trying to save a lot of this for the messages in the story, so I'm trying to <laughs> not talk a whole lot um mm. but yeah there there's a lot of fun characters in the film and i think that really helps the movie overall stay entertaining and not become boring because yeah. everybody's doing something that's you know exciting or funny that brings the characters into the film mm. oh also this is one of the only t- uh, show of godzilla films to keep continuity just pointing that out yeah, <laughs> since Godzilla comes out of the uh, iceberg. Mm-hmm. And they referred that this isn't the first time he's been around. Um, so they, In the they Japanese were... cut. Right. Again, another reason why the U.S. cut's awful. Uh, <laughs> so props to them for keeping continuity. Yeah. Props to Sekizawa, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
should we go ahead and get into the messages of the film and kind of wrap things up now? Yeah. All right. Um, do you want to go first since I kind of I've been running this entire time? All right. So, yeah, King Kong vs. Godzilla from start to finish is a satire. Satire <laughs> of not only capitalism, but most uh, notably Japanese television and and look specifically lowbrow television and the just the marketing hype that there was surrounding that given i believe it was only very recently that japan had gotten or at least gotten wide access to cable television basically <laughs> what superaya became after bandai bought them <laughs> I mean, I guess you could kind of replace uh, the pharmaceutical company with uh, Bandai <laughs> and the science show with uh, Ultraman. Ultraman. Yeah. But one thing I find interesting is throughout the film, it's very self-aware. Oh, like, yeah. At, at the beginning, when Taco gets angry that Godzilla's a thing, they say, there's even a movie! And it's like, yeah. Wow. You are so self-aware right now. Yeah. And they're like, mm, no more. I'm sick of Godzilla. <laughs> it's it's so it's so weird to have a Godzilla movie that self-aware. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that one when uh after King Kong had, after they've captured King Kong and um like Taco's celebrating about about the discovery, and he's getting ready to go see Sakurai and Furure, uh, and how all the news articles are talking about it. There's a woman that uh, talks about what if King Kong and Godzilla fought, and there's a guy who says something like, "Don't be stupid. This isn't a wrestling match." Yeah, and there's a ton of those throughout the film that are like, "This isn't wrestling." Yet, yeah, it, it ends up as a wrestling match. They they choreographed like wrestlers yeah <laughs> and even even throughout the film you can see military people people that work for the pharmaceutical company taco people are betting on who will win king yeah. kong or godzilla and it's I mean, so weird to see that taco does do the coin flip all the time <laughs> he does and he's like don't lose uh king kong he'll make a monkey out of godzilla yet <laughs> The amount of self-awareness in the film just blows my mind. Yeah, and it's very ironic now, knowing how uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is being um, advertised. <laughs> yeah. It, it's really... I, I know this isn't like any original statement about it, but like as people have said, just... The irony that King Kong vs. Godzilla was about all the commercialization of the two characters, and then we have Godzilla vs. Kong, where we have Australian burgers promoting the film. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe a pizza company uh, recently was promoting it. Yeah, this is, this is supposed to be the biggest, the big match, big. The big crossover event of the decade. Mm -hmm. I, I remember um, during the Super Bowl, the official Twitter was like, 
at Snickers, at Tom Brady, at all these, like, yeah. which team are you on? And it's just like, oh, the irony. It's yeah. exactly what they were saying don't do in the original. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's so funny about Godzilla vs. Kong to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, King Co- Godzilla King of the Monsters is pro-nuclear, so why not be pro-lowbrow entertainment and marketing at this point? He's respecting our original 101. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How to disrespect 65 years of history? It's a weird trend in American Godzilla movies. 98. That's true. The the only one that, that that is actually kind of respectful is 2014. The second time around. (laughs) <laughs> so, who knows? First maybe is when the we worst, get, second is the best. Maybe when we get uh, Godzilla vs Kong twenty fifty by I don't know Universal maybe or Disney, God help us. <laughs> maybe by then, well, maybe by then we'll actually get one that respects the original's message, right? If we're lucky, that'd be nice. <laughs> but yeah, it just uh, and this is where I, I, I wanted to discuss Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. I, I don't know because it looks like it's gonna be a typical blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah, it's very like from the first trailer alone, you can really see that you can see where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this: both. It looks like GVK will respect the sense of it's going to be bonkers. Yeah, that's going to be about it. It look honestly, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm calling it now. People are going to say GVK respects the original 1962 one because it has callbacks to the film. Yeah, I'm going to completely ignore the message of the original. I call it right now. Oh yeah, Here definitely. So I guess you could say, I guess you could say it's a faithful adaptation of the American cut. Sallow and plot holes galore, and pretty lackluster, yeah. all things considered. And a hor- and a not if a Kube score. Yeah, yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect, absolutely perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! I feel like I just predicted everything that'll happen. <laughs> you know, if we do a GVK thoughts bonus or something, I'm going to be calling back to this episode a lot. And I'll oh, be yeah. like, I was right. I was wrong. This movie's mm. awful. Mm. <laughs> Just like that. That's going to be the whole episode. <laughs> God, it, it'll be interesting to see. Right. But overall, I, I think GB, uh, KKVG stands out <laughs> the most. Um, hmm. I, honestly, it's, I, I would say it stands out the most in the Showa era because of the message. It's the only one that's satirical. It's the only one that's a comedy, like through and through a comedy. It's the only one that's self-aware to the extent it is. And yeah. we never got another Godzilla movie like that. Which kind of interests me. Yeah. Perhaps it's because by now 
Godzilla has become the thing that King Kong versus Godzilla was criticizing. Yeah, more or less. Because Shin Godzilla only had multiple forms because Bandai. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Bandai's always in, in consideration when creating these films. Marketing purposes. Well, more, or less, any, more or less any Tokusatsu at this point. Or any big Tokusatsu, well, I big, guess. Yeah, big yeah. one. So, maybe that's why. Maybe it's just because they ignored the critique in this film and they just did it. Hmm. That's that's actually a good good thing I think to put a pin in and note is how Godzilla has become what this very film was saying was bad. Yeah, but that's what happens when uh, that's what happens when you get more and more sequels. That's true. That's very true. I wonder if there's a sequel to the movie in King Kong vs. Godzilla. <laughs> Who yeah. knows? Maybe maybe uh, they made a King Kong vs. Godzilla movie. Um, wait. I just realized that means Godzilla movies are canon in the Showa era. Well, they never go into detail what the the Godzilla movie is about, so... That's so weird. That's so weird. I mean, remember, Showa, Showa Godzilla movies were almost in uh, 2014. That's true. That's very <laughs> true. So, and there were Godzilla movies in 20th Century Boys and Sayonara Jupiter. Random tokusatsu reference from me. <laughs> so... I feel like we're getting to the point where we've, we've really, because we discussed GBK, we discussed the messages, the soundtrack, the characters. We, we've kind of discussed pretty much everything, haven't we? More or less. I guess we can end on our thoughts on the film overall. Um, I, I'd like to think we've been mostly taking this objectively, and now we're just going to be like, ah, yeah. here's our film critic thoughts on this film. Hmm. Well, film critics in quotation marks. <laughs> I'm a film critic. My uh, Mystery Science Theater crow pin says so. <laughs> All right, so what are your thoughts? Oh, my thoughts? Well, for a long time, I didn't care for King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, I always found it very lackluster, very boring, um, very stupid, didn't make a lot of sense. And then I watched the Japanese version, and it, it definitely moved up quite a few um, rankings for me. Overall, I, I thoroughly enjoy the film. I think it's a standout to the franchise. Um, we I forgot to say this, and we've been hinting at it the entire time. It is the most attended Godzilla movie in history. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> huge box office success. Got re-released. A total of four times, um, really, including mm. its original theatrical run. So you had the 1970 um, Champion, <laughs> um, which is interesting one, that which film. is what ruined the film for us because they used the original negatives. Thank you so much, mm. Honda. Um, yeah. Then you had in 1976 they reissued it once more to mm. go in line with the. Um, 
a certain remake. King Kong. And then in 2017, when they released the 4K version, said oh, yeah. oh, yeah. re releases. Um, hmm. And I, I I'd, love, film... I'd love to get a figure for the, um, I'd love to get the exact attendance figure for the original release, like not including any I mean, uh, re releases. I can. Mm, there, the numbers out there somewhere probably. Yeah, because it because I have because I've had that issue with uh fifty four, and mm -hmm. yeah, because like if you look at uh Mothra vs Godzilla and I think also Ghidorah the three headed monster's attendance, it's mm -hmm. got like an overall attendance of about eight million. Yeah, but that is including the re releases. Mm -hmm. I can always this is like I think around half of that. So Yeah. I I could always that... check my uh 40th anniversary book, but it might have the mm. overall attendance including the I think it does. I think it does. But yeah. nonetheless, I mean it, it was why very successful. Um, oh yeah. It makes <laughs> sense why it did. Uh, I hmm. I enjoy the film for what it is. I enjoy the satire. I enjoy the comedy. It's a sharp contrast to the entire franchise as a whole. And I'd even say the genre. Um, yeah. That being said, it's not my for favorite. A, for, a, for a genre that is noted, that is uh, condescended as a rather silly and lowbrow type of thing, it, it's it's kind of humorous that we don't get many straight up comedies. Yeah. Outside um, of a, a select few. Mm -hmm. I can only, I, and I mean, when you think about it, most comedies are like Kaiju Mono or Death uh, Kappa, uh, Death Kappa or even, uh, Raiga, where it's to the point where it's more of a parody. Yeah, and not a satire. Yeah, we don't get a lot of satire com comical films. We get more parody than anything else. Uh, and even Ultraman, you had the Zerf parody chapter. Yeah. So it is unique for the genre, which is kind of strange. The only film I can think of that's kind of like that is Colossal. But even that's it's very shallow compared to this one. Mm. I I love the I love the message. Um, I, yeah. I think it's a really cool because Mothra versus Godzilla also tackled it, but it was more in your face, just kind of like, oh, this is bad, and it wasn't playing with it. And I think it, I think that's why it's superior to than Mothra versus Godzilla. Um, it's interesting because it's kind of funny you say that because Morpha vs. Godzilla, a lot, a few of the ideas from that came from uh, continuation King Kong vs. Godzilla. Right. The unmade well, sequel to it was it. King Kong vs. Godzilla two continuation. I think. Uh, but yeah, because in the in the idea for that, Godzilla was going to be dead. So. Wonder who lost. He's going to be dead, and uh, a company was going to use his. They're going to use his body 
uh, I want to say an amusement attraction, mm-hmm. amusement park attraction. Yes. But then he was good. But then uh, when King Kong came back, they decided to revive him to fight mm-hmm. King Kong. Which I have some theories that they took some of those story elements from continuation King Kong versus Godzilla 2 um, and put them in GVK, but we'll have to see. It's mainly with yeah. the kid. With Kong yeah, and yeah, and... yeah. That that yeah. When I was reading about that, that was like, hmm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Wonder if but they took notes or not. We'll have to we'll have to check that out whenever the film comes out. Um, <laughs> but overall, um, I, it's not my personal favorite. I, I'd even say it's not in my top ten. Um, hmm. but it's a good film, and I definitely plan on rewatching it. Not with the Criterion transfer though, because that gives me uh, um, brain aneurysm. I'm trying to watch that. Um, <laughs> I, I I can't stand that. So I will be watching yeah. it through other means. Um, I, I I it's it's just so bad. I I can't I can't sit through it. I cannot. Yeah, it's an unfortunately, it's it's a good movie made hard to watch by a terrible. Terrible transfer. Mm-hmm. So Rex, what are your thoughts on this film? It's not it's not one of my favorite Godzilla movies, but it's one that I definitely uh, I don't have any hot, bad feelings towards it. I look at it and just think of I just get a good feeling from it. It's a lot of fun. It it's what it's what made me interested, really, really interested in watching the rest of the Showa era, and as and as well as that, revisiting a lot of the Godzilla films I ha- I hadn't seen in years. Mm-hmm. It, it really revitalized my interest in the franchise, and um, when I saw the U.S. cut and then uh, the Japanese cut, despite the terrible transfer, um, it really is surprising seeing how different. They are tonally, because even though both have comedy, the, the way they go about their comedy, the different types, the different styles of comedy they use, it's very, it's rather fascinating to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. It almost makes me think they kind of condescend American audiences too. Well, actually, there is a, uh, I'm happy you say that, there is a way that people read the film as this. King mm-hmm. Kong represents the West, an invader, yeah. not belonging, drug addict, um, yeah. strong brute force, very smart, tactical, while Godzilla mm-hmm. is a primitive, small brain, stupid, just evil person um, in his homeland. And some people have, at least in the US version, they've read it as Godzilla represents japan and kong represents america and kong overtakes japan and or godzilla and wins uh yeah symbolizing what happened um at the end of world war ii potentially yeah personally i see it as people um overthinking honda's films a little yeah bit. yeah i i don't think it was that um, mm. It might have been that in the U.S. version, maybe. Mm. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it, if the idea of being America versus Japan was there. 
but nowhere near as much as like oh drug addicted uh this <laughs> like that just makes me kind of laugh a bit because that just it just sounds so out there for and so far removed from not only the tone this movie was going for but the tone of what sekizawa and honda usually go for mm-hmm. in their films yeah i agree and even then sekizawa never does serious stuff um, yeah honda that's the one that does it yeah so i feel like this is a good stopping point i feel like we've we've yeah. well do- dove into this awesome film mm. two titanic terrors trash mm. japan and now for our lowbrow marketing, Rex. Yes. Where can people find you at? Well, on YouTube, I am Rex Zeno, uh, seven hundred subs. So if you're interested, check that out. Go subscribe. Make my day better. Uh, on Twitter, I am Rex underscore Xenomorph. Uh, on Instagram, Rex underscore Zeno. And last but not least, please feel free to check out my blog site, thatkaijublog.wordpress.com. Uh, I've written a few articles about uh, the production of various Godzilla films from Son of Godzilla to 84. Currently working on, on another Showa film that I briefly mentioned slightly earlier in this and really looking forward to getting more into that so I, I can't wait to actually get into the writing part of that and i've done some interviews on there so again feel free to check it out make my day better <laughs> and you can find me hi i'm elijah the the guy that runs this thing i feel very self-aware who... now that <laughs> we, we just talked about like marketing and like how lowbrow and all that and then it's just like oh i feel so self-aware why do you gotta call me out like that stuff (laughs) conscious but you can find me on youtube at et13 productions on twitter at et13 productions um on instagram at et13 productions you can also follow my personal account where i post whatever is going on in my head that's why it's called the mind of elijah thomas because it's whatever's up here, whatever is I'm thinking of. And that's at E. <laughs> Thomas 1975. Mm. Um, so, moving on. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people. Just like what Taco wants us to do. Get us out to more people. <laughs> Boost our ratings. We need yeah. a monster. A monster, yeah. I tell you. You know, you know, you should get, should find find a new god take him from some natives make him your own get him to smile like taco couldn't get king kong to yeah i think that's what i need to do yeah or if you don't have an apple device which i don't blame you i don't you can tweet (laughs) us and follow us at k-a-i-j-u underscore c-o-n-v-e-r-s on twitter if you don't have either of those you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and contact us through those means. If you're like me before podcasting, lucky you. 
and you don't have any social media, you can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, and we'll read your reviews on air for everybody to hear. We also have some merchandise on Teespring. It's just the logo. Eventually, we'll get some original artwork on there. Um, I don't know when, just eventually. If you'd like to chat with me or Rex or anyone to hear their opinions on different subjects, you can join our Discord server and you can talk to people who relate to the stuff you like. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell so you can be notified anytime we upload. Sometimes we do YouTube exclusive like Toku Fandom Tales or our bonus episodes. Um, or just watch our old catalog of episodes. All of that can be found there. A huge thanks to Rex. Thank you, Rex, for editing these episodes. It's very <laughs> appreciated. All of the welcome. stuff we've mentioned can be found in the description below through Linktree links. So please check out all of that if possible. And please, everybody, remember that life's too short to not talk big. And please, don't let King Kong make a monkey out of you.